Okay, guys, this is going to be kind of a weird episode that we weren't really planning on, but we just got lunch in the middle of recording, and we're having a really good conversation, and I just want to keep it going on the microphone. Or how do you guys feel about that? Well, I'm sitting here, so I think yeah. I've agreed to it. <laughs> Collectively, feel pretty good about it. <laughs> so, I, Dustin, I feel like you would actually do the best job recapping where we've what we've talked about so far. Yeah, I can't remember what we were even talking about. No, I can't. So... <laughs> Let me, let me see if I do a good job. If I don't do a good job, somebody else recap it. But we were talking about the podcast. We're talking about you as a person who is who has gone through deconstruction or you're in, in the midst of deconstruction uh, and you're starting to find that, don't let me put words in your mouth, but you're at maybe you're starting to feel like, oh, maybe this deconstruction is going to stay deconstructed at the end. Maybe I'm just going to be deconstructed and there's no reconstruction that may happen. It may or may not happen, but right now you're kind of feeling like maybe it won't. And I don't think anyone realized that that's how I thought this podcast was supposed to be. Right. Because you were fascinated because I said, Danny, I don't know if I'm going to continue to be Christian enough for this podcast. Yeah. And you were like... And my joke was, you're, you've already not been <laughs> for a long time. But you were like, the point of the podcast isn't to watch Emily go through it and get back to a good spot. Mm-hmm. And I guess I really thought that. Well, the interesting part of the podcast, in my opinion, is that there is a holy man and a person who's struggling with their faith. <laughs> it's like when we were on the street and Danny goes, I'm a pastor. She's a comedian. <laughs> yeah. And this fat guy holds a camera. And that's what he said. But that's so that's that's, you know, so what I think is fascinating about this podcast is that, well, first of all, you're very honest and open. I think if you weren't, it wouldn't work. Have you, did you get your lips plumped? Uh, I just put on chaps. Okay, but you didn't put, you don't get shots in there? They're very glossy. All right. Just, um, you've lost some weight, so I'm just wondering. Can I say really quick, Danny's not the first pastor that's approached me to start a podcast with me. Oh. Did you know that? Wow. Yeah. Look at you. Mm-hmm. That isn't, because I know that. So why, uh-huh. well, maybe you're going to say this, but why this one and why not that? Like, so the have you seen pastor. yourself? <laughs> you're beautiful. I would need you in my life more often. You're a beautiful man. <laughs> you're like one of the greatest compliments. <laughs> Danny's going to make that his ringtone. Just does to go, you're a beautiful man over and over again. But um, the other pastor was like, he wanted to call it re-evangelical. Yeah. He basically said, I want to, <laughs> I want to capture pastoring you through your deconstruction back to where you were. That was yeah. his words. Uh-huh. And for a little bit, I was like, it's a great idea. I need well, to get back When I first met there. you, you were like, I think I'm going to do this podcast. Yeah. I remember we sat here. You asked me why Jesus had to die on the cross. <laughs> and just before that, you were like, hey, this pastor of mine is interested in doing a podcast. To, and you said it, but like, you're like, to pass me through deconstruction. Yeah. But it's like this, technically, technically, I guess you're pastoring me through deconstruction, but not to like get me out of it or get me through it but to just be another voice and another pair of eyes on the situation that i can't always see clearly as someone who's in it would you say that's fair i think so like i i did just think in my mind like why because i am a pastor that is your friend and this person is a pastor that was a better friend at one point and both asked you so there had to be some level of comfortability in your assumption of what the experience would be like which was probably different um, but I also think like in the same way that 
this was birthed out of our conversations like at a Panera around this mm-hmm. table. I think part of the reason we're still going why we're doing the episode like this is like I think we found as much or probably more personal fruit through the conversation we had after recording before Truly. recording it at lunch. And I think it's like I wonder had we not had all of the conversations surrounding not just the episodes if this would have felt as life-giving because in some ways it's just like continually sharing your story but I think there's like a mm. iron sharpenings iron we push we disagree but none of us have stopped being friends through that and I think that's what's really interesting is like we talk about the time we're modeling on here how can we be friends disagree have hard conversations I think the three of us have done that at a pretty high level because I think of some of the stuff, I really wish we had a recorder, uh-huh. all the stuff we've talked about afterwards, um, which is a little divergent from what your initial question was, oh, but yeah. I think getting into it was one thing, but sticking with it, I just think the relationship is probably part of the reason we're still doing this. But also part of the reason why I think I was I was more willing to have this podcast with you is because, one, I didn't feel like there was as much of a power dynamic of like the pastor and the rando, but it's like, <laughs> but also... I think you really care what I have to say. And I think yeah. you really value my opinion. Sure. <laughs> and that is huge. Yeah. Oh. Because I didn't experience that from a pastor or a spiritual leader ever. Yeah. And there were other things outside this podcast where, like, if you believe that, actions probably spoke that to be Absolutely. a reality. For so, sure. Um, um, but so let's get into more of what we were yeah, talking about. for sure. We kind of did a recap. I'm going to share the analogy that I shared with you because I think that was what sparked the conversation. I don't know if you. I know. I walk away for like two seconds and I come back. And then we're like like a deep conversation. And we're pretty, we're not yelling, but like (laughs) we're going at it. (laughs) I won the argument. Uh, She's a Christian again. (laughs) Embrace the journey. The journey is over. Uh, (laughs) This will be our last episode. Uh, I said, this is where I'm honestly at in my faith. So sorry to anyone who's watching this. I mean, it's really hard for me to say this on the camera because I know that people who know me will watch this. The way I feel toward Christianity right now is a relationship or a marriage that I have put so much into. I've poured everything into making this relationship work. And I'm like, well, I'm going to just fight tooth and nail for it to work so so that my efforts were not in vain. And everyone's like, bro, just break up you it's a toxic relationship just get divorced it's better for everyone yeah and that is where i'm at so dustin like what what was your like before i got what were you guys talking about in regards to that? well i think you know that she is in a relationship with religion not jesus uh, i think that she's been taught her whole life a very specific set of rules and ways to be, which I understand. I mean, that's a lot of Christianity. I don't know that it's specifically evangelical Christianity or whatever, but like, I definitely know there's a lot of churches that, you know, you're, you're out there checking boxes. I think you said in a previous podcast about like the quiet time or time you had with God, it was really much, it was very much like a, uh, a check box, a a box to check, Dustin, a box to check. Maybe now you won't yell at us about that anymore. (laughs) And then, no, I'll still yell. And then uh, once it was done, you felt good about yourself. It wasn't like, oh, I spent time with God and I had some edifying thing happen because I spent time with God. It was just like, oh, I did it. So good job for me today. I did what I was supposed to do, like doing your homework or something. And uh, if you didn't do it, you would feel guilty, feel bad about yourself throughout the day. And like that would be like if like my kids, 
I have a kid in high school and a kid in middle school. When my kids leave for the day, if they don't say goodbye to me, I just go, oh, like it kind of just hurts a little, you mm. know, they didn't do anything wrong. I'm not mad at them. I'm not upset with them. I love them like crazy, but they didn't say goodbye. And I just love them because I love that I get the hug before they go to school and I can say, hey, have a great day, whatever. Um, and, you know, your thing is, is that that's the that's what your quiet time was like, oh, like you're checking a box because it wasn't a real it wasn't like a relationship. But it was less, it was even less than, che- I mean, it was like, it's not just checking the box. It was like appeasing his disgust with me for a little bit. I'm not trying to be dramatic. Right. Yeah. And that's just bad theology. And that's what we talked about. I talk. get that. But that messes with your head. I totally understand. Yeah. I'm not saying that it didn't, doesn't have an effect. I'm just saying now as you deconstruct, you're deconstructing, hopefully on some level out of bad theology, yeah. not just the, you know, I don't want to be around God or be about this faith thing or anything, right? Like if you're really thinking it through, you're going, okay, here's some of the things that I learned that I'm trying to unlearn because these are not actually biblical principles. I will say what's interesting, like just observing this part of the conversation too, is like, I remember when we started this talking about like assumptions going in, Mm. I thought we were having a deconstructing Jesus podcast and like I think that's really interesting and I knew like your religious upbringing yeah but I didn't know to the level and scope how much your Calvinist theology informed how you viewed everything yeah and and it's been really helpful for me actually because I I asked you a question a podcast or two ago of like what theological things that you were taught as a child have influenced in your things as an adult but those have been really good questions for me to ask is like why do I believe what I believe? Yeah. And is it a belief tied to Jesus or to the institution? And I think that's like a really interesting thing. And I just wonder, this may be like, sound like a really flat, stupid question, but where are you on the whole Jesus thing versus the church? So maybe just talk about Jesus, but then if you have the bandwidth to talk about church, yeah. I think they're different, but mm-hmm. in this conversation, we often conflate them. Well, and that's the thing is like, one, you said at lunch, you said you're still a Calvinist in your heart. And I think you're right. Like, I would love to not be, but it's that it's not something that's easily let go of. Yeah. But going back to like Jesus is you said something really interesting. Weird. If going with this relationship analogy, it's helpful to me. Um, like you were like, but it's a relationship with kids. And so let's say you're trying to divorce your, yeah. you're trying to divorce religion, but like your faith is the kid or like in kind of my relationship with Jesus then is one of the kids. Yeah. I was interesting. Like, I feel like you were in a marriage with the church and yeah. out of that birth, a faith in Jesus Wow, Oof. and you're trying to get divorced to the church. And I use it as like my, like, cause you said, uh, you're like, well, every time I look at my kids, I see yes. my spouse. And I was like, I'm a divorce guy with two kids, three kids, two from a previous marriage. Uh-huh. I see my ex-wife every time I look at those kids. Right. And so it's, there's some level of that. And so, yeah, but I think that's right. I think you were married to the church. Jesus in your faith in him was birthed out of that. But you're reconciling a pretty messy divorce. But it's like, how do you not get triggered with your kids? I think you do. I think you do for a while. I think I think he probably. I'm sorry, you don't have to answer that also. If I slap him around a lot. No, <laughs> no but I mean, like, you, you know, you, my assumption is, is that, you know, just like if you lived in the house that you guys all lived in. Yeah. And then you got a divorce and you stayed in that house. Everything's going to look like, you know, you're going to remember all have all these memories about her and about this and that. And I think eventually it probably is a little bit less and less and less. Right. 
Yeah. Like I, so I look at my kids and I mean, people say my kids look like me, but I can still see like features, but there's a difference between features of someone and then seeing the visceral image of that person, right? Like Mm. seeing the totality. And so we've built new memories, right? We've built new framework. Mm. We've built new rhythms because we're in a new house and we have a new family and we have a new structure. Right. And so now when I look at them, I could be like, oh, I can see their mom's nose in them, but I see them as individual people. And the thing that I was trying to move past was seeing my ex-wife as a person in my kids. And now I see the features that remain and Ooh. that's not their identity. And I think I conflated the identity probably. And I think, absolutely. And I, that's the complaining thing, right? Is like, cause you said like, you said something along the lines of like, I think you're conflating religion is the same as Jesus. And I was like, a million percent I am because that is all I knew how to do. Like they weren't, they couldn't be separate. It was like, yeah, you, didn't you know Jesus religion. because of our very specific religion and we know exactly what Jesus thought and exactly what he was like because we are correct theologically. And so it's, and so that's the thing, right? It's like, it's so hard. So it's twofold. It's one, to still have a relationship with Jesus is reminding me all the time of this thing I'm trying to freaking divorce. But also the only way, like, it's like, but the only way I knew how to look at Jesus was through my spouse. Mm-hmm. Which is- Is that making sense? Yeah. Also though, it's like another microcosm of if you were a man and you were divorcing evangelicals you'd have a different experience, Right. But I think being even a woman, like you didn't even have the keys to your faith at the highest level. And so it's like, I think that plays into it too. Like I, I wonder, I mean, you're, you grew up pretty, even you said you were a reformed pastor, right? And so, and you've deconstructed or reconstructed your, you, I mean, you could probably say you're a mutt maybe, yeah. so I but I think I also wonder, and I don't want to, this maybe is not a helpful rabbit trail to go down, but I do think being a woman within the process of this has a lot of different spider legs to it because it's like you didn't even have that much power in your own faith as a Calvinist, but as a woman, you have as you've surrendered the little faith you've have to the men in the room. Right. And so I just, I don't know. I, I, I think all the time how helpless I would feel if I was you growing up in the church experience. you grew up. So, I mean, so helpless. Like I would sit in the Presbyterian seminary library. I wasn't a member of the seminary. I just would go and sit among the theology books and be like, I just want someone to notice that I'm putting in the same work of knowing the same things. And even like, as I'm packing up my theology books to sell, it's packing up the, which is maybe why people's opinions still matter to me so much is because it's packing up and giving up on the journey that people in my past church will finally theologically respect me. And I am losing that respect by the day being where I'm at. And that is freaking brutal because it's all I wanted is for someone to say, yeah, Emily's a girl, but Emily knows her shit. Yeah. Yeah. And I I don't know that. I mean, I think those all tie together, but I also think that knowing a whole bunch about theology or religion, it's not really that helpful. I mean, exhibit A. Well, I mean, I know for me, like, even though I'm kind of a mutt, like I came out of a place where uh, I fell in love with Jesus first, not 
a denomination or an organization or even a church that I went to, you know? And so it wasn't the end all be all. And I think one of the things, maybe I'm wrong, but that's going to be hard for you is that because you were so entrenched in it and your whole family, isn't your whole family is in it. When you talk about seeing the features of your religion in Jesus, you're going to still hopefully see your parents and go to Thanksgiving and you're going to be around these people that are your family, your family of origin, unless they're so, unless it's such an, to an abusive level that Mm -hmm. you have to divorce all that. Um, And you're going to keep seeing that. And I think that's hard. I mean, you didn't keep hanging out with your ex-wife all the time after you got divorced. I didn't hang out with my ex-wife ever. I mean, twice more, you know, you just don't see them anymore. And that's helpful in the healing process. I even just saw, this is actually to connect with that. I just saw, I was at a soccer game and my ex-wife's mom's brother and his wife were there. So like aunt and uncle and, uh, were in town and I genuinely really like they were some of my favorite people and I saw them and it was the first time I've seen them since the divorce and it's wow. been years and I had like visceral reactions of like they're dead to me mm-hmm. and then like eventually I, I went over and I talked to the guy and look we had a really great conversation about some of the jokes he used to make in college football but my visceral visceral reaction based on previous experience in my divorce was the first lens and I think that's an interesting thing to think about it's like I still saw it initially through this way, but I had enough time removed where I like, I mentally had a conversation with myself of being like, well, they haven't done anything to me. And like, they are st- like, I had to work myself into being like, I'm going to go talk to the people and not like be weird and hang out. Mm-hmm. So I don't know. I just think that's interesting too. It's like, there's, you see glimpses of these things everywhere. And for the rest of your life, you will likely see glimpses of this experience. But imagine if you like, or if you were trying to talk to them and it was like the week after your divorce and they were at the soccer game, yeah, that would be so hard. Mm -hmm. And so it's like, I was saying at lunch, like I just need a break. Like I literally, like I know that you can't take a break from your kids, but it's like, (laughs) but it's like for something that's that triggering, I just need it all to go away for a little bit. And then to start bringing things back in because I can't like, I want to so bad, but I cannot separate jesus and my upbringing right now mm-hmm. he feels like part of the abuser that's a very intense word but like part of the thing that hurt me he is as much entrenched in the system as any of the theology that you were taught and i know i can say that that's not true but that is not how it feels and that's not the reaction that i feel because like i had a pastor say to me he goes when he w- when i was going to your church <laughs> um no like, not that I'm not going anymore. Like, I'm just saying when he mm-hmm. realized that I go. Exactly. You know what I'm still saying? Going. <laughs> Sounds like to me. That's what I meant is like when he found yeah. out I was going. Sure, yeah. And he goes, um, <laughs> and he goes, Emily, are you really going to tell me that that Jesus sounds like the Jesus of the Bible? Like the inclusive Jesus or the, the Jesus you always learned about? That's what he said. Does this Jesus sound like the Jesus you always learned about? No. And he said, where is your fear of the Lord? Gone. I'm not freaking scared of him anymore. And I don't know why you want me to be scared. And I don't know why you want me to have this harsh image of Jesus who is so grossed out by me, but also wants eternity with me. No, the new Jesus I know doesn't sound like that. And I'm so glad. But that, but it's the God. That's so hard. It's like if, it's like if Danny had told me about you, Dustin, every day for like 20 years that you were just, that you hated 
people who are deaf in their right ear and like hated female comedians and like all these things about me. Mm. And then we're supposed to be friends. And then the how I've communed with you, why are we using that word? I don't know, has been great. I really enjoy my time with you. But I but all that's still in the back of my mind. Like, does yeah. he really think all of these things about me? Yeah. yeah. I mean, I think again, you know, one of the things we talked about at lunch was time and how time hopefully will heal the wounds and they'll be less uh potent. Well, I also think too, like you and I came to know <clears throat> Jesus as dummies, right? Like we mm-hmm. we got knowledge second mm-hmm. in relationship first, mm-hmm. and you had knowledge first, right? And I think even about what you said, like using this analogy, like Dustin, because I knew Dustin first, right? Yeah. Like, but I didn't really talk. I was hey, we're doing this podcast. You guys met. You guys made some jokes. You mm-hmm. guys were like, oh, we kind of like each other. And you guys have built a relationship afterwards. But friendship before knowledge of Dustin was was wow. first. And I think that's one bias I see from our perspective. It's probably hard for us to get exactly where you are because mm-hmm. we had a relationship first. So we had trust and we had connection and relational chips with Jesus. And you've been on your side. It's like, I've been told so much about this guy that looks nothing like the person that we've probably talked about. If that makes sense. It totally makes sense. And it, I mean, that that's so interesting. I was talking to someone the other day who um, adopted a kid when he was, when the kid was 12. And my friend was saying, he was like, we never had the like cuddling, bonding phase of like all this trust. Like it started off in the teen phase and that's very hard. And we don't have that trust built up and all of that. And I think that's, in, I think that's similar ish to when, not that like, it's this, like we're going right into the really hard stuff. And I never just like cuddled with Jesus. You know, I think yeah. you kind of know what I'm Well, I think about like with my, with Annie and yeah. my kids, right? It's like, they, she's like, who is this person, right? Like, mm-hmm. even if you have no really, like, if they're going to be a person, like adoption, right? Or being a parent or being like, that's different. You, the stakes were pretty low with Dustin. You don't like Dustin, you're like, screw this guy. For like, sure. Um, and I'm glad you guys <laughs> like each other. Because what, it's one of the things that warms my heart on a personal note that you guys like talk outside of this. And Aww. you guys have built a friendship. Because when my friends become friends, I think that's really cool. Um but like for my kids and Annie, like that was, again, it wasn't starting at zero. Right. And with Jesus right now, you're not really starting at zero. No, I'm starting with a lot Negative. of baggage. Negative. A yeah. lot of yeah. it. Right. Yeah. Imagine, uh, it, I mean, like, let's say like if you told your kids, Annie sucks so much <laughs> and she really hates you. And she hates all kids and she's mean. She's going to lock you in your room. And then you were like, why don't you like adore her? Yeah. And they'll be like, what the hell? Well, I wonder, though, what's interesting, though, about the conversation is, is that, you know, I suppose, you know, if that were the case, if he said a whole bunch of stuff and they trust their dad. Yeah. And then and then she shows up and she's not like that. Mm. And they would be like, she's awesome. Like, what are you and talking who about? are you supposed to trust what you see in front of you or what your dad told you? Right? Exactly. And so what you're what the, the thing wow. you're going through is that these people that you trusted. And that you respected said a whole bunch of things about someone. Uh, and then, but what's cool about it is that you can read it yourself. You know, you can go look at how Jesus treated people. But to and, see, so I'm so sorry. no, go ahead. But to see, I'm just going with the analogy to see that Annie isn't like that, to see that Annie is very kind, just reminds me that, or would just remind your kids that you betrayed them and didn't trust and didn't like use their trust well. Mm-hmm. 
That yeah. is hard. Even though Annie's yeah. being lovely, it, it's painful and you feel rejected and hurt and betrayed. Yeah. Yeah, I think it would be... That's, I think that's one of the most interesting pressure points of this yeah. is it's less of the, and I've said this before, maybe not on this podcast, but over lunch, <laughs> that I think this is way less of a Jesus thing than it is a church thing or yeah. a, a religiosity thing or a dogma thing. Um, but he is totally caught up in the middle of it right now. Yeah. That's why I just need yeah, a Because you break. can't, you can't pull those things apart as they're so enmeshed mm-hmm. and it may not be his fault. But he's stuck in the midst of it. And I think that's where there's this like, uh, I mean, actually, we had that conversation with uh, the new evangelicals with Mm -hmm. him. And he had called uh, deconstruction the untangling. And I feel like that's more, not even more so what you're doing, but like in some of our off-camera interactions are untangling in a lot of ways. Because it's not as much like, let's pull this away, let's throw this away. It's like, where are the webs of interconnectivity in all of this? And what doesn't need to be tangled up in this anymore? Well, one of the things, let me ask you this. So one of the okay. things you keep saying is you need a break. I need a break. Mm-hmm. What does what does that mean? I, I just need, like, I need to be, like, functionally an atheist for a little bit is what I mean by that. There's just this, like, <laughs> total side note. I was unpacking um, I just moved into a new apartment and I was unpacking all my books and there's one book that just called What is Hell? Mm-hmm. <laughs> and I sent it to my coworker and she goes, she goes, Emily, it is good to be a Christian, but that is a lot. <laughs> and I was like, you're so right. And she goes, and she goes, also, you don't know what is hell. I'll tell you what is hell. Atheism. And I was like, what is happening? <laughs> it was just very funny. <laughs> but like all that to say, I just, that was not really a necessary story, but it just made me laugh. Um, (laughs) But I just like, like to go no contact for a little bit, to like just see if the, if the wounds can scab over just a little bit that I can maybe start to like actually see them instead of like, they just keep getting like rubbed raw every time anything like remotely Christian happens. Like, I know that sounds extreme, but like that is how I'm feeling right now. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So you're so maybe not, and I'm not trying to tell you okay. what to think, but maybe not um, becoming atheist as much as just pushing pause on any form of religious intake that's more what that's what I mean by functionally atheist yeah. of like, it's not that that's what I think, but it's just that that is how I live my life okay. for a tad so that I can just like, it's like, it literally feels like a breather mm-hmm. because yeah. I am so tired of like fighting for this relationship. That's just not getting easier. Like I feel like I deserve to have somewhat of a, relationship that doesn't hurt me every time I think about it. Yeah. I'm feeling I'm like I'm being very intense this whole episode, but it's not feeling. I think it's honest. I'd rather have you be it's honest. It's very honest. And, I mean, you said this uh, at lunch, right? You asked yourself if you were going to be honest today or pretend to hundred percent something <laughs> else. And I, and I'm glad you chose honesty. Mm-hmm. Like, I think that's what faith should be. I think that's what friendship should be. And I feel like all of this, again, like if all of this stopped, 
say we stopped recording, right? Say the well wasn't a church. Say you, we had none of these other things. I'd hope we'd still be in a relationship, the three of us. And I think Absolutely. that's the the hope of this is like, let's just be really honest and say like, this isn't about episodes and anything like that. It's about like, we may, we may be recording this and it's going to mm-hmm. help other people. And it's great that it's doing that. But this is like friends having important conversations. I remember on our first or second episode, you said church is a place where like big ideas are mm. wrestled with. Mm. And I think like I'd rather I think we're doing a better version of church now than we often do on a Sunday. And that's like wrestling with big topics. Mm-hmm. But it's also like back to a few episodes ago, I've never experienced that to say I need a break from a space or I disagree from a space and have people stick with me. Yeah, because you had a lot of shame from, I mean, you've talked about how you have a shame lens in yeah. to begin with. Mm-hmm. But you had a lot of shame from when you stepped away from the church because it was like, when are you coming back? And so to say you want to be a functional atheist is like the the biggest shameful decision you can make from the lens that you were previously looking through. Because I would have, when I started this process, this is interesting. When I started this process, I said, I'm reformed enough to believe Reformed enough meaning that I don't think anything can snatch me out of God's hand. I'm reformed enough to believe that I can go on this journey and keep my salvation. That's how it started. I think I said this before, like, I started this journey. I felt the freedom to start this journey because of Reformed theology. How, like, but I was the first to tell, this is going to be a very weird parallel, but it's just like when I would tell people that I, as a woman, wanted to go to seminary, I would say, like, I want to go to seminary not to be a pastor so you don't have to panic. I would say like, I'm deconstructing just a little bit. Don't panic. And it's, it keeps going. And I'm just like, I'm on the freaking conveyor belt. And I'm like, I think this is important and I think it's good, but I promised everyone I wasn't going to go this far. But you also promised people you'd go to seminary, but you wanted to be a pastor. So you can say, don't worry. Like, That's true. It's not what I wanted. And so I wonder what you really wanted when you got into deconstruct. Like, I think name it or not, you were hoping to pull away all of those things. And you just said, don't worry for other people. Yeah. That wasn't actually what you thought. Dang. I think you may be right. Yeah. Unlike Dustin, I was trying to put words in your mouth. <laughs> no, that's how, I don't think I would have been able to name that myself, but I need to process that a little more, but I think you might be right. One of the things I appreciate is you often put things in parallels, which for me is really like, so seminary versus deconstruction. That it's very helpful to me, but it can be annoying to people. So I'm glad that yeah. you. I find it really helpful because okay. I, I find it see- annoying. <laughs> uh, I could see the parallels and I can, I try to draw those because I'm kind of an analogies person. Anyway, so. um, Good for you. <laughs> I'll, well, I would say, and I, you're going to say, like, I appreciate now, like, cause we're actually, we, the first third of this maybe was catching us up from where we were at lunch mm-hmm. and I've enjoyed where you've gone post lunch because all yeah. of that has been stuff I didn't know you we were going to talk about. So I've been excited. About it. Yeah. Oh, I was just going to say, yeah, like you drew the parallel of like me being like, you and I's relationship and you were like but you wouldn't do that with me so why would you say that you would do that with God yeah. that's all I was going to say I say that on this episode <laughs> no okay you're wearing the same shirt it's hard to talk get over it <laughs> <laughs> Emily only has one shirt so please go to their uh, what's it called Patreon yeah. <laughs> yeah. Um, what would we like what do we think is there any more we want to dive into on this I don't want to wrap this up but it seems like we've either had a stopping point or a turning point no I, I just think like if you look at it from 35,000 feet, I fully can understand where you're coming from. Thank you. As far as like <clears throat> the relationship that you built with God, Jesus, Holy Spirit, whatever, 
uh, was built under a structure and that structure, because we're humans, it wasn't perfect. You know, it was, and in your case, it was harmful. It was painful. Yeah. Uh, and you and I started in a relationship, which I think is really insightful as opposed to like knowing all the things or being like inundated, brainwashed, whatever you want to call it. Uh, with all of this information, I get my information about Jesus and about my faith in him just straight from the new Testament, uh, uh, you know, and, and what he taught and how he was like his, how he, his vibe, like how he was with people. Right. Like, and so when your pastor says things about like, wait, they love everybody over there. That's not the Jesus you were raised. And I mean, that's, I don't know what they're even talking about. Mm. Like it, it sounds so bizarre to me because I could just literally name you, you know, Nicodemus. I could go down a list of people that were the outcast dirtbags that Jesus chose to hang out with, not and not condemn. I mean, he definitely had words with some of them and said, "Hey, you know, this thing that you're doing, this action, is is sin, and so stop it." But he also, it was just, it was always, in, he was always loving first, inclusive first, um, and I just don't understand a group of people teaching something so incorrect. Yeah, but most churches are inclusive first or loving first. They'll love you until you're in and then they'll be like, well, now here's the real thing. Yeah, but I don't like church. So I don't, I'm not, I'm not talking about that. I'm talking I, about but Jesus. I'm saying, but I'm saying again, it's this like, we draw the parallels as if this is the distinction. Like, you know, like people always say like, oh, well, the church or you're not Jesus, which is true or whatever, but they used his freaking name. Like, the, like what I'm, and sometimes I struggle with this. Can I say that? Like, I get that the in the Gospels, Jesus is very inclusive, and I grew up not seeing that. But then as I try to read the Gospels again, I see pockets of like, well, maybe maybe it's too good of too good to be true that he's this inclusive. Like he says, no one comes to the Father except through me. That is very exclusive. Yeah, but we don't really understand what that means. I mean, that there's it's a lot. True. There's a lot of what we talked about earlier, like yeah. the mystic yeah. and the, the, the mystery of the thing. Like we, we act like we know what it means. Mm-hmm. And then different denominations really act like they <laughs> yeah. know what it means. And they put a nail in that, you know, and they, this is how exact. And I'm like, how do you know that you don't know? And even, you know, theologians, I, I can, I can get, I can read you theologians who, who preach the sermon on this verse and then another one that did it. And another, and it's all different and they're all learned, very intelligent, you know, people. And I'm like, who do you believe? Well, then in my opinion, this goes back to the personal relationship thing. Cause I've always struggled with that. You know, I have a personal relationship with Jesus. It's, it just seems so weird to me because the truth of the matter is he doesn't talk to me. Like my relationship is I read a book about a dude and I talk to uh, my imaginary friend in the sky, like, and I hope and believe that he's real and it's true, but I could be wrong. Yeah. But I, I don't think I am, right? So our friendship is uh, based on a whole bunch of things, different things. But at the end of the day, it's I look at you holistically as Danny and I go, okay, so like if you did something, you, you let's say you ghosted me in a text message, didn't hear back from you. I would say, let me think about Danny's character and evaluate this one instance based on everything I know about his character as opposed to, I'm just pissed. 
because mm-hmm. he didn't get back to me on this thing that was important to me, right? Yeah. I don't know if you lost your phone, if it died, if it broke. I don't know any of those things. But I, because you're my friend, I give you the benefit of the doubt. And I think that goes back to our faith in a lot of ways, like looking at Jesus and going, like, is this too good to be true? Um, it is too good to be true. Like, that's the beauty of it is to me is that it is too good to be true. It's too good to be true that the God of the everything would die on a cross for my sins. You know, that's too good to be true. But I think yeah. he did. I'm sick of that story. Oh, man. That's sad. It's very sad. Yeah. But, it, man, we're just really being honest. Today. Um, <laughs> yeah. You're just sick of being told that you're, because you hear that as you're a piece of crap. Yeah. And that I, like, cannot be loved and cannot be welcomed and belong and accepted into God's family unless Jesus is, like, brutally murdered. Well, and I'm, I just want to be in the family and they're, like, I just want to be loved and be accepted and belong into God's family and not have some psycho, like, people dying and God being disgusted with me and then being appeased by Jesus. Like, I get, I get how people can see beauty in that. And I used to see beauty in that. But now I just see that I am such a liability. Well, I think part of it is to like, and this isn't, so I'm not saying you're wrong. Part of it's seeing your place in the story. Like, what character are you in this? Yeah. I think, like, you guys see the same Jesus dying on the cross and have radically, and both see it from the same actionable thing happening. Mm-hmm. But you both understand it and process it very differently. And I was thinking even earlier as you were talking, like, I think just as much as, like, hey, we met Jesus first, right? And then you met information first or whatever that is. Like, I think our faith origin stories impact us so greatly like as a pastor we had to like write down like our testimony right like how we came down and i have never been able to divorce my story and become a pastor from how people treated my friend noah in high school Mm -hmm. and how that told so i've always wanted to include the outsider now i always have to tell myself and ask myself how much is my bias of how i came to know faith and the story that's driven me define the story i'm living like, because I unapologetically and probably to a fault am an includer. And I'd say to a fault, like, I've included people that didn't need to be included <laughs> in things because I really wanted to be included. And so I just wonder from, like, stories, like, what, and the, this isn't like a, you tell this now, but you can if you want, but, like, how did that origin story of the first catalytic moment of your faith happening, like, mine being with this kid Noah, having to be isolated and ostracized and outcast, it informed how I reconciled with Jesus, faith, church, all of that. That informed me a ton. And I just think like a helpful thing for all of us listening, watching and us here. It's like, I think we have to find those things because we are not people in a vacuum. Our experiences inform everything. It's one of the reasons like trauma informed church is like a really hot thing right now. And trauma informed pastors because good, bad or ugly, our faith is informed by those things. Yeah. A lot of those words you just said, I didn't understand because you're a lot smarter than me. But I, what I was thinking while he was saying all that was like, you're basically playing, remember that game operation? Yeah. And you, it's like mm. the whole thing is your religious growing upness, which is not a word, but I, again, I'm an idiot. And you're trying to pick out the parts you're supposed to, you're trying to keep Jesus, 
but you're trying to it's pick out the body. The body is Jesus. Let me let me let we me work are the this body. out. The body, uh, the the little out the fat guy is Jesus with the red nose, and you're trying to pull out all that crud that, and that's really hard to do. It's really hard to dissect out uh, of this entire body that you of this thing that you've been taught. You know, the, just the icky parts. So I'm, I'm ready to put the game away. And so, yeah, you're going to put the lid on. Let's put it on the shelf. Maybe later we'll pull it out. Yeah. Yeah, I understand. And I I am like, because of my belief system and my heart, uh, I'm I'm constantly like, oh, I'm gonna, here's my here's going to be my rebuttal. So she doesn't think so that because because mm-hmm. I want you to feel the way I feel. I want the Jesus that I feel loves me to f- for you to feel that Jesus. That's- I would I would love I would love to believe in the Jesus you believe in. Like the me way too. that you talk about Jesus and like the way that you say like you you go I think God is in love with me. Like that is so beautiful and I have never felt that way. Yeah, and shame on you if you're watching this and you did this to her. Yeah. I think it is like an interesting bummer because it's like, again, you've been told about the same person, but you've just like. It's just a totally different lens. Yeah. You know, like I'm a, to. I'm a photographer and a filmmaker and you can watch these videos. You've probably seen the memes where it's like the person's face and you go uh, 200 millimeter lens looks vastly different than mm. a 10 millimeter lens. 10 millimeters, super wide, 200 millimeters, super tight. Right. And they what you do is you get a, a lens that can go from one to the other it's not a mm. and, and then they do it and i could even i'll clip it into this if i can find one it's super interesting because the person could look like they have a fat face all the way to like a doberman pincher like mm. you know real skinny features and that's just based on the lens that you're using or the way you're using that lens and some people uh have and i don't maybe they didn't have bad intentions but they probably didn't they probably were just taught it the way they were taught it and then they so forgive me for f-bombing you (laughs) i hope you can still meet the jesus that i know um but anyway uh the idea though that 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 if you just undo the lens and stick the other lens on it would just change the whole view it changes totally how you can see the thing it's fascinating to me well, I appreciate your vulnerability in doing this. Like, and Dustin, yeah. I think we need you on the side of the mic more often. Like, mm-hmm. you, we did I, say at lunch that essentially I am putting words out that I have become the least important cog in this machine. And so maybe I'll take some time off and you guys can have some <laughs> conversation. But we I, will actually fight, though. <laughs> you guys might actually fight. Yeah. We, we fight often after the recording's over. I mean, I still think we don't. I don't know what you consider a fight. I consider any sort of disagreement a personal attack. So oh, yeah, so we fight a lot. Yeah. In your <laughs> but I don't think so. I don't like. I've never once gotten mad at you or raised my voice or like. And I'm never mad at you. But that to me is a I real fight. I just think that you really are mad at. I just think you really don't respect my thoughts sometimes. Oh. Oh my god. <laughs> that hurts. I know, do funny. I really? Do I? You really think that? Sometimes. Well, sometimes I just think you think I'm kind of dumb and. I don't, don't think you're dumb it. at all. Well, thanks. I don't think you're dumb at all. I think you do respect me. I'm sorry I said that. No, sometimes okay. I think that you don't respect some things that I think. I think sometimes I say something and you're like, oh my God. Well, like on every episode, you look and say, Dustin's not going to like that one. <laughs> and at lunch, you're like, I actually really agreed with that. Yeah. <laughs> I think. Uh, but it's, but it's again, yeah. it's because I take disagreement as a personal thing. Right. So that's not anything that you've done. That's you saying, well, I disagree with this thing you said, and me hearing you 
me hearing I disagree with you and you don't belong, which is all full circle. Okay. So I heard that I'm, I'm receiving that, uh-huh. but let me ask you this. How does, how would then <laughs> someone disagree with an Emily without having an Emily feel that way? Oh, that's a really good You could question. even, it could be you, Emily. It, maybe it could be a different Emily, but it could also be you. That's a very, very good question. I think, uh, um, I'm actually going to bring up Danny. Okay. We, <laughs> Someone knows how to do it. I'm totally kidding. That's <laughs> no, not me. You can talk about my mean text message. Uh, no, you really um. nice text message. Oh my god, <laughs> we're just airing it all out. <laughs> no, we. So Danny had this thing that he did um, about hell. Yeah. And he and I, it felt like actually, got if into you were it. there, we did argue. We kind of did in front yeah. of a lot of people. There you go. You would have been proud. I am proud. Um, <laughs> That's and, what makes a good episode. And Danny knows that I really it's very important for me to feel theologically respected and you texted me afterward and you said hey thank you so much for doing this event I disagree pretty strongly with some (laughs) of the things you said but I I deeply theologically respect you if not the same then maybe more and that was like that just soothed the anxiety Mm -hmm. I think that's the root of it is it's this like anxiety of like because again what we talked about that was my whole goal all of growing up was to get older dudes to think I was smart and to think that my theological voice mattered. And so to it's a soothing of an anxiety of like, well, I just went backwards in my goal. Mm. Yeah. Is that making more sense? I feel yeah, like but, hopefully but let me ask you this me, question. Let me I, ask you I this think question. you're great. Oh, I, I am great. Um, let me ask this question. So can you, can a human not agree with someone's theology Still like the person, care for the person, uh, respect the person, and think the person's smart. Mm-hmm. So there's a there's a lot of those boxes that you feel more comfortable being checked, right? Yeah. Because yeah, yeah. I want everybody to do those things for me too. I want them uh-huh. to like me, think I'm smart, whatever. I think no, I'm not smart. But anyway. Uh, You're very smart. Mm, thank you. Um, lip service. Okay. So uh, I'm not that smart. No, but, but here's the thing. But then also, like, so how can I – respect you theologically and not agree with you theologically yeah i mean that phenomenal question but it's i just think i need the reminder that you do okay yeah like because I, like, like danny and i disagree but i think he theologically respects me and he reminds me of that a lot because every time we disagree i'm like well just blew it yeah yeah part of it's like affirming because and for me theological respect is not derived out of like same agreement it's like mm-hmm. Uh, because I, we make the joke about who's smart all the time. Like mm-hmm. you truly are like the most learned person in this room. Like, probably. You know, probably Agreed. more theologically than any of us. And well, think, at least, at least in her denomination. Yeah. yeah. One version of theology. Well, yeah. Yeah. And I, but I think like, if I was going to say like, Hey, you, let's go toe to toe. I'll go toe to toe with you. Methodist theology versus Calvinist. I think you mop the floor. Because you know. <laughs> I think what, you're probably right. Yeah, yeah. I think so. And, but my respect for you isn't derived out. You believe what I believe. It's like you. Actually, maybe somewhat the opposite of you. It's kind of funny. I'd rather step into the ring and have an argument with someone. That's where I get respect out of. Like, I'd rather disagree with you and have the conversation. And so for me, as an aide on the air, I've talked about before, like, I build trust in a relationship out of that. So just having the conversation, like, I love that. Like, I don't need to agree with you. I just want to learn more what I believe by hearing what you believe and push you on that. Um, 
But is so, that respecting theo- are you respecting her theologically or are you just respecting her? I, I can respect, respect my perspective. I respect you theologically. I don't always respect your theology. The, yeah, I don't but care. I, yeah. Like I think theologically you're a brilliant. I don't always agree with the conclusions you've drawn, but right. I think I don't draw a connection between these. Mm-hmm. So, but that isn't like in as much as like even the text, I remember saying like, I think I would love you to land where I land. Yeah. And, but I'm not going to waste a ton of, especially on a topic like that. Like there are certain things I'm like, I just don't think that that takes, Mm -hmm. it needs a lot of interest. Mm -hmm. I think it's sexy to talk about hell because people are like, oh, what happens? Right. People want to talk about (laughs) that, but I'm like, I don't need to talk. It doesn't impact my life on a daily basis. It will. Yeah. Until I die. Oh my God. (laughs) Bring some ice water. <laughs> just give it time, bro. Hey, uh, when people say, "What is the sexiest topic?" First thing I think, hell. Yeah, it just oh. gets me. I remember actually. I'm totally kidding. Something you said early on when we—I don't know if this was pre-podcast, you know—but you had talked about how much you don't like when pastors say that. Like it was a pastor buzzword was saying things are sexy. Oh yeah. Well, that's because didn't Jerseyville do it? it. No, oh, Chandler did. did. Yeah. This new sexy uh, trend called deconstruction. Yeah. Well, then I am the sexiest. So. <laughs> um, <laughs> listen, I, yeah, so like that, those are, you okay? I think I'm going to make it. <laughs> I'm uh, get the hell faster. So, yeah. Well, you're on your way, pal. <laughs> um, so, I thank you for letting me be on your podcast. Thank you for letting me be on your podcast. I want you to know right now, I respect you. Mm-hmm. I like you. Aww. I find you very funny. As a comedian, because that's what girl comedians are called. <laughs> oh, it's not true. And um, I also uh, I respect you theologically, so I can say that now because now I understand what it means. So yeah. I understood what it meant. Now I do, uh, and I respect you. Um, and I'm gonna try really hard not to make you fall where I fall, like what you just said. Like you'd like her to land where you land, mm. but but I want you to know that when I do argue back on that it's because i want you to know the jesus that i know it's not because i want to be right it's not because i want to be have one of us be right or one of us be wrong it's that i want you to have him snuggle up with you and make you feel like you're worth it does that make sense that i also did not mean to like start something on the like i don't was this like conflict or no (laughs) okay just me no there wasn't no I'm not having any conflict. No, okay, but like but I, when I you're think dumb you're as awesome a, when, when you're you... dumb as a rock, you don't know when there's even conflict. <laughs> but it's I great. but I don't even see it as Ignorance conflict. It was just it was how it's how I naturally interpret situations. It's right. not anything you did. Like No, I know. But so but again, I appreciate you saying that. And I think it like back to that moment, I think it was a very powerful moment of like, I want to love and believe in the God you believe in. Truly, I do. I think that it is I think that the way you see Jesus as a rebel. And the way you see God as someone who just just loves you so much and loves everything about who you are or loves who you are, I would love that. And I love hearing your perspective because it because it makes it feel like maybe it could be possible for me. It is. I hope it is. But and if that means you have to put the game back on the shelf mm-hmm. for mm-hmm. a while, um, then that's what it means. Because I don't I don't think that that like you said, I don't think that you're out of his hands. You know, if you choose to put the lid on the box and put it away, it would be, it would be if we're going to use these analogies, like we've been thinking about, if it was one of my kids got real mad at me and just decided 
we, I, I haven't talked to my dad in a year cause he pissed me off, you know? Mm. And I'm still his dad. Absolutely. I still love him. I still want to talk to him. I'm probably still going to hit him up. And if he just doesn't respond, I'm, yeah. he, I, I'm not, not probably I'm going to. My wife and I talked about this once. I said, if you ever leave me, I just want you to know that I don't care where you go. I'm just going to buy a house right next door. And if I can't, I'll just get a tent and I'll, cause I'm not leaving my kids, you know, it's mm-hmm. not going to happen. And that's the way that I think God feels about us. I think that's what God feels about you. And so I think when you, when it, when, and if you're ever ready to open the box back up and try, you know, I, I know it'll be, you know, he's ready. He's a gentleman. It's, it, it's like a regulation thing. Like I'm well, just he made very, it all up, so there's not a lot of scholarship he has to do. I'm very uh, enraptured with the operation analogy right now because it's like, I remember playing that as a kid. I'm a, I'm a very competitive and a perfectionist. Don't like making mistakes. Mm-hmm. And the minute I hit the zappy, <laughs> the minute I hit the zappy thing once, the tension in like my body rises. And so sure. it's like this idea of like, I'm really, um, like I love like the TikTokers of like gentle parenting or whatever, where they just be like, take a minute to like regulate, like re-regulate and like take a deep breath. And then we can go back to trying the hard activity is uh-huh. like, that is how it feels like. I'm just going to get more and more tense and more and more upset if I just keep like hammering in at this point with the, with the pinchers. And, um, I think it's the, like putting it in the box and taking a breather and knowing or wanting to know, wanting to believe that God loves me no matter where I'm at in the game. Yeah. You also need a game that doesn't buzz and yell at you every time you get wrong, (laughs) right? Like, that, like, that's well, the hope would be the hope would be that once she gets all of the religion out, then the you know they, it's done. She doesn't have to stick. You the, won. You don't have to stick the. You've done it. Things in there anymore. Um, gentle parenting. I think that whole concept is. I know. I know. I know. <laughs> Listen. I just think it's cute to watch. I just imagine me trying to tell Knox, "Hey, buddy, can we take a few deep breaths?" Because I've said that. <laughs> And I've just heard just banshee screams out of this kid. Once he's worked up, he does need to calm yeah. himself down. But in the midst of it, it's like, and this might just be my own son. Like, he's in it when he's in it. Well, I heard a parent say gentle parenting is awesome for some kids. And not all kids can will, will can and will respond to it. I think that's a good thing. Well, gentle parenting in my day was go sit in the corner. Yeah. And you'd sit in the corner and calm down. Hmm. We've, we've had that, it. But that's experiencing rejection for your feelings. Uh. <laughs> So another thing about gentle parenting, and that's what this episode's about. I'm gonna title this episode "Gentle, gentle Parenting." parenting. <laughs> um, I think are we, we good? I think yeah. we've done what we came here. This I was so. really good. I really like this episode. Yeah, I think it's the best one so far. Probably, I agree. I think so. I think it was really raw. I think mm. it was honest, and I think it was more of what we set out to do in some ways. Mm. It was like. We were at lunch and we were like, this is really good. And we we're like, this is a valuable conversation. We don't want to keep to ourselves. And so we shared it with the world and I'm glad we did it. Yeah. And in the future, if it keeps going on, we can, and you are full on, you know, out of the, out of the crew, out of the, the tribe. Don't belong. Yeah. We can just do a pastor. We could say a pastor, a jerk and an atheist all walked into it. Like we could be our, yeah. that could be the thing. Well, that's actually, kind of, that's like a band name. Yeah. Thanks. Should we start a band? Yeah. Okay. No. Um, anyway, <laughs> uh, comment below your thoughts on gentle parenting and embrace the journey. This is a Chapel Media podcast.